Well, good morning, everybody. Glad uh, to see you all. Um, I'm going to start things off a little bit differently. Um, we actually have some new members that we want to announce uh, in both services, and uh, you'll see their, their names up there. We've got Dave and Jackie Gonzalez, Jeff and Christine Page, and Andrea. Uh, Andrea's here, I believe. Andrea, are you here? Andrea, why don't you stand up? You're here in the first service. We're going to give you a hand specifically. Thank you, Andrea. Um, you may be wondering uh, what, what it means to, to be a member of Ridgeview, and it could be probably summed up in one word. It's, it's a commitment, a, a formal commitment where people decide, uh, okay, this is Ridgeview's mission. This is where we're headed. This is what we're all about, and I want to formally join and be a part of that. Uh, we live in a time where uh, committing to things uh, is something we, we tend not to do. A commitment is downplayed in our culture, but uh, we actually grow out of the commitments that we make. You, you grow from commitment, not to commitment. So oftentimes you have to make a commitment and then uh, you grow. And so we have a, a preview class today. Actually, if you're interested in learning more about how you can be committed to Ridgeview, team up with Ridgeview, uh, find out where we're headed. It's called our preview class. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a preview, uh, an hour and a half where you can hear more of our vision and how you can get involved. Uh, our role at Ridgeview is with all the people that God brings is we want to get them in the game of ministry. Uh, we are a team. Uh, it's not a country club. It's actually a place where we participate in the trenches uh, together. And you'll see um, kind of the three-step process, a preview, discover, and commit. And so uh, the preview and discover classes are two separate classes that we offer. We'll have uh, one later uh, in the year, the beginning of December. Uh, but I encourage you, this is just a way for you to maybe shorten the timing of your understanding of uh, the big picture of, of what we're about. Uh, you probably, hopefully, uh, feel our values and see. Andrea, we're really glad that you've decided uh, to join uh, the team. And we're glad for all the people God has brought around uh, in this moment. Um, we are continuing our message series called Pressure Points. Who was here last week? Okay. Uh, hopefully, you have your, your scripture journal that we talked about. And I totally forgot mine. So if you forgot yours, you're in good company because uh, I did as well. Uh, but we're going through the book of James and talking about pressure points. And pressure points are trials that we may face, they're uh, frustrations, they're hard times, they're difficulties, they're maybe the times of waiting when we don't have the things that we hope to come that haven't come yet. Um, and then today we're going to talk specifically about the pressure point of sin and temptation and sometimes the struggle uh, that can weigh us down uh, so heavily. And last week we kicked off the series uh, kind of introducing the book of James, uh, focusing on how God uses trouble uh, to help us and how he uses actually trouble uh, to train us. And that's kind of where I want to start off today. Uh, God trains me and he trains you through the pressure points of life. Uh, he trains all of us. And I want to start in verse 12, which summarizes and kind of where we ended last week. And this is what it says. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so you see the tie of standing under the pressure, not bailing, waiting on God to come through. It's actually not just even tied to this life, but it's actually tied to the blessing that comes in eternity. God is watching. God is here. He's with us. And if we learn how to rely on him now, and if we learn how to trust in him, even when life is not what we want, even when life's not turning out how we wish it would, there's this promise that even in the life to come forever, 
there's gonna be blessing tied to how you handle here and now. And I think that eternal perspective is so important. There's so much than just here and now. And last week, if you missed it, we had Garrett and Janie Denbaugh. On Monday, Garrett had an interview for a teaching position and he was offered a job. Praise God. And uh, Garrett called me on Monday and I just said, isn't that what God does? And thankfully, it came on Monday and not like January. <laughs> but it could have come in January and God would still use that. Uh, but I just think that was just a great picture of them describing the waiting. We don't know how it's gonna turn out. We don't know what God's gonna do. And then the day he has the interview, he gets the job offer. But the story's not over for them. It's not over for us. Even in the middle of that, you see that God is just working. And that's what this whole book of James is about. It's all the things that God is using that we're facing uh, for our good. So today, I wanna talk about sin. And sin is something that is real. I don't have to convince you of sin's existence, I hope, right? You look in the mirror, and hopefully there's a part of you like, yeah, I'm a sinner. Now, you may not wanna start your day like that. It's not that motivating, right? But it's true. Uh, we, we sin, we struggle with sin. The funny thing about sin, though, related to the church, is oftentimes uh, we sometimes don't talk about it. Well, church should be the place where we talk about sin because it's not just the problem, it's that we have the solution and the solution is found in Jesus Christ, right? The grace found in him alone. But in that, Christians can become so much of the defeated people of this world because we don't know really what to do when we're tempted. We don't know how to deal with the struggles. And so I wanna kind of walk through temptation, what it is, how we deal with it, and then how God's word helps us as we continue in chapter one. Now, I'm spending more time on chapter one because if you were here last week, I said that chapter one of James is really like a summary of the whole book. And so as you dig deep into James one, you have a greater understanding of the, of the whole book. And so I'm gonna read the scripture, the rest of James 1, 13 uh, through uh, 18, and then I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own, he will, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And the idea here is James is shifting from the trials and troubles in the beginning of chapter one, and then he gets specific. Let's talk about the trials and troubles that we face from our own choices. These are not external circumstances. James shifts, now we're talking internally. What are the things that happen within us that cause us to experience sin, that lead us to sin, those pressures, those things that we think, those things that, that we feel. And I wanna define terms and ask this question, but the first is, is what should we do when we're tempted? That's what James is, is wanting us to ask. What should we do when we're tempted? The, the idea is not if, again, we're, we're all tempted. But let's define attempt. This is just Merriam-Webster's, to entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure or gain. This is very important to realize. When we're talking about temptation, Oftentimes, we're not talking about things that we don't want to do, right? That would not be a temptation. Like most of the time, I'm like, you know what? I'm really tempted 
to eat vegetables and work out. It's like, man, I just wish that that wasn't such a struggle. No, usually it's tempted to do the things that, again, what it says, it gives us pleasure or gain, often by the wrong means. And then that entice, it's something that's very appealing to us that actually is out of bounds. And so to deal with temptation, you have to deal with right and wrong. And for Christians, for ourselves, God in the direction that we go. And in that, what you find when you have the boundaries, just like when you're younger as a toddler, you know, you can, you can stay in this area. And what do you do as a toddler? You want to go as close to the outside as you can. There's something in us that even when there's boundaries, we want to fill, like the thin ice, we want to see how close we can get to it. And that's just the sin nature that we all have. We're broken. We want what we want. We want it on our terms, all of us. And we've all gone astray. And so this enticement and this pleasure and this gain, this promise of those things is very alluring to us. And, and there's common temptations. Um, some of these are, are interesting. Uh, grumbling and complaining. Did you know that that's a, that's a temptation? Why? Because it's a sin to grumble and complain. Because the scriptures say do everything without grumbling and complaining. That's a boundary. Do what? Everything. So when you do it at all, you, you've sinned. And like, doesn't that just sound terrible? My wife and I were talking about like our family, like how would it help if, if we just made a decision to not grumble and complain as a, as a family? And you think about like the, the ripple effect into relationships and conflict. Like if you can't grumble and complain by what somebody does, wouldn't that impact the way that your relationship is? But this is, this is a temptation for us, grumbling and complaining. Now we're talking attitude. Uh, worry. Heard people say like worry is like the biggest sin no one talks about in the church. Do you worry? Absolutely. We all do. Shortcuts to success. There's a goal. And you see a long way around. Hard work, grinding work. But there seems like there's this little shortcut where maybe you just have to do something not quite honest, not quite above board. Most shortcuts to success are, are sin. Entitlement, temptation, like we think we deserve something. How much of life do we struggle with because we're disappointed by something we thought we deserved. That's sin. Lust, when we give into it, chasing uh, fantasies, all of these things. This is saying, listen, you're going to face the pressure is not friendly, but one of the greatest heats that you and I will experience, the greatest pressure is not from with, out on the outside. It, it, it's on the inside. The greatest pressure you're going to face in your life many times is with yourself. And I've lived my life, and I would agree with that. The biggest problem with me is often me and my choices and what I want. And so let's dig back into the, that passage, 13 through 18, and kind of break down what, what James is saying, God's word to us. And so what do we do when we're tempted? What do we do when we're enticed? The first thing is, is we don't uh, blame God. Verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. The idea here, here is, you know, God is, is so powerful and he's so strong that if, if he's leading me to this, then, then it's okay. It's almost the sense of like, well, God, God hasn't really helped me. So it's, it's not blaming him, but it's also not putting it on him that he didn't help you. So the blame could be even after the sin. Well, God, God didn't help me. I asked him to help and he didn't. So the idea is God will always help. The scriptures say he always provides a way out so you don't have to sin. When the pressure's there and you want to, to kind of take that shortcut, and you want to give into that desire, 
The scriptures say he always provides a way out. That's hard to believe because it seems like in some temptations, like there, there was no way out. I had to do it. I had to give in. God is good. He doesn't tempt us like some mad scientist just waiting to zap us. James wants us to understand that. And sometimes the blame, because we still struggle. Have you ever been just mad at God because you still face the same thing that you faced 15 years ago? James saying you, got, you have to be careful. Instead of looking at God as the one who's kind of pushing his thumb down on you, you have to look to God as the one who helps. But if you're blaming somebody, you don't turn to them for help, right? When you begin to blame and you look like with bitterness towards somebody, you don't go to them to help. So James is saying, don't blame God. He's the one who will help you. So that's the first thing. Uh, the, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then James shows us this progression. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So those, those temptations that I already kind of walked through. And so you see a little chart here, evil desire. This is desires that you have. Enticed, you're lured in. Then you make the choice, you sin, and death. Now, death can seem extreme because there's times when we give in to worry, we don't automatically die, right? We'd be not even here. This would be an empty room. So the death doesn't come physically straight away. But spiritually, the death has already happened. Sin, according to scripture, leads to death. So anytime we get into temptation and we sin, spiritually, death is there. But there, there's also a part of the life that we experience like is cut off. Like when we sin and we get into this pattern of temptation and we, we don't stand and we, we get into sin, that pattern of it, our life begins to actually spin out of control. So James is saying, be careful, because oftentimes you just think it's like minor. It's not that big of a deal. It's not, it doesn't matter that much. But what James is saying is like, watch when you're enticed, because that leads to sin. And then, and then your, your life will begin to degrade. That, the idea is, is Lord and enticed are fishing and hunting metaphors. So he's saying like, you're, you're Lord and enticed just like you're trying to catch like a, like a prey. Here, here's a, a beautiful picture to wake you up this morning. That's, that's a rat. It's kind of, you know, kind of gives me nightmares, to be honest with you. But, um, and then here, here's a picture of poison. You use this to kill a rat. Every time I say that, I just want, you dirty rat. I just want to say that. But, um, but here's the thing about rat poison. It's 99% rat food and 1% poison. Did you know that? I didn't. Here at Ridgeview, fun facts, we share those. We want it, right? And so I think good for us. It's 99% pleasing and maybe 1%. Like maybe just that smidging isn't right. Maybe I shouldn't do that for that 1%. But it's just like poison. The 1% will kill you. That's what sin is. There's no good in it. There's no good outcome. We all know that. You give in to sin. And what do you face? Regret, 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 and regret. We experience the poison. And what the enemy wants, and even what we want to tell ourselves, is that, no, it's, it's, it's mostly good. It's 99% good for you. And then we're just like rats. We experience that death. Or that, that other metaphor of a fish. Any fishermen here? All right. Ridgeview fishing will take one car, okay? <laughs> um, but I, I love to fish. I fished with my dad growing up. And, you know, you're always picking the, the right lure 
And the right thing that will entice the fish, is it the color, is it the smell? But when you think about it, you're like just tricking a fish for their death. You always have a hook on it. You don't just put a worm on a line. It's got a hook. So think about the, the hook and the, the line. Like it's a big old bait with just a small little hook, same principle. And you get taken. I'm a Spurgeon fan. He was an old pastor in England. And uh, he, he said this based on this passage. He says, his, his own desire grown strong and hot till it cometh to be a lusting. This draws a man away. It baits the hook. The man swallows it and thus entrapped and enticed. I like that imagery because now he's saying, we're not thinking we're in control like the predator. We're the prey. That's what it is with sin. We think we're in control. It's gonna make us feel good. It's gonna make us better. And we're baited and the hook is set. And now we're, we're taken by it and it takes us away. Life is a battle and, and we, we are the prey. And so what James is saying is be very careful with your desires. With sin, we know very early most of the time that we're probably doing something that we shouldn't do. God's given us a conscience. God's given us his word. And usually there's these paths that, and we, we begin to kind of drift a little bit and we know we're drifting for the most part. And what James is saying is when you feel that drift, when you feel that pull, don't deceive yourself and act like that's not happening. It's happening. You know it's happening. The Lord knows it's happening. It may be the only two that maybe just you two that know, but be careful because if you still think, no, God, it's not happening. No, God, it's not. It's happening. No, it's not happening, God. And you've drifted further and further. And then you're so far here. You're like, well, I just got to sin because I've come all this way. God's saying, no, listen, turn back. Watch where that desire, where you feel that pull, where your God, the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Christ, he's given you himself inside you to help you, the conscience to convict you, to help you in the middle of temptation, offer that way out. You have to look. Now, sometimes that way out is like a crack in the door. God, help me to see the crack in the door. God, help me to see the hole that I can escape through. But oftentimes we want it so bad, we ignore that desire that's there. James is saying, be careful. As soon as that desire comes, that's when you turn to God. And then he goes on, verse 16, and this is the guard against deception. This is connected to what we're saying about our desires. James 1:16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. The brothers here is really the whole body, the whole church. Do not be deceived, church. When scriptures tell you something, it means that that the tendency is for you to experience that. So deception is normal for all of us. And here it's the idea of self-deception. Again, we know what's going on. And James is saying, don't deceive yourself. Don't act like it's okay. You know your heart is leading to a direction. That is, if you ever wanted something that you want going to, you ever done that? You have. Every time I go to a buffet, I regret it. Keep me away because I'm easily deceived and we're all easily deceived. A few years ago, I heard uh, a pastor share just some lethal assumptions that we tend to make. And these lethal assumptions are things that we, we tend to believe that, that deceive ourselves. And I thought this was interesting. I just wanna show this. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time, but check these out. Number one, if I can find the right person, everything will be all right. Major deception 
What this is is, God, my life's not working out because I don't have the right person in my life yet. This could be for single people. This could be even like, I don't have the, the friends. I just need that one person and everything will be all right. Actually, one person cannot make your life right. Only the Lord Jesus can do that. But that's a lethal assumption. Number two, my situation is unique. Anytime you say your situation is unique, be careful. Because what you're saying is, God, people don't understand me. I don't know if you understand me. My situation's unique. You're already giving yourself an excuse to do wrong. Be careful. Number three, it's not right, but it makes me happy. God wants me to be happy. I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that in scripture. If it's not right, it will not turn out right. If it's not right, it will not turn out right. Number four, if I only had blank, then I'd be satisfied. Okay, let's get real. What's your blank? You have one. I have one. What's your blank? If I only had blank, then I'd be satisfied. Things don't satisfy. If you feed an appetite, it grows. The more you have, the more you This is related to, to finances. The idea is, get it, the idea is we want something and we want it so bad that we'll do whatever we need to do to get it. The idea is owing something is not better. If you want something and you don't have it, turn to God. God, I want this. I, I just want this so bad. It could be a purchase you make. It could be a relationship that you want. But as soon as you give in and say, never mind, this desire is so strong, I'm gonna give in to it. Now you begin to owe people. You could owe creditors because of something that you paid for that you don't have money for. And then you could owe somebody because of something that you give them. It could be yourself. It's better to live in the tension. We're gonna live in a tension somewhere with the desires. But as soon as you give in to the want and now you owe you're in a really tough spot. Number six, my secret is safe with me. Secrets leak, right? There's really not secrets. If you have a cell phone, there's no secrets. You know how many people have been busted in the last few years because somebody has a camera watching them? And then number seven, sex will solve it. I'm gonna be real. Women, don't ever believe a man that tells you that. It won't solve it. Don't ever believe a man that tells you that. We all must guard against these lies. So James is saying, do not be deceived. These seven, we probably have a favorite. We probably have a favorite. You need to know what your favorite is. You need to know where your weak spots are. The enemy knows. If the enemy knows and God knows, it's time for us. We have to get on the same page because we, we have to be battle ready. Guard against deception. And then James continues, turn to God. And it, deception. And then James 1.17, every good and perfect, sorry, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow do 
to change. I love it. Because what we're wanting when we sin most of the time is to feel good. It's like we're wanting to gift ourselves. I want to feel better. I want to give in to that because it will make everything okay. What James is saying is you turn to the Lord Jesus. Every gift is from him. Every gift is in the boundaries of doing right. If it's outside of those boundaries, it's not good. And it's not a gift. You will pay for that. And he describes this imagery of the shadow that happens with change and variation. And that's the idea with temptation and sin. You think you have the the right progress that you think, I'm just going to do this. And then before you know it, you're deceived. And what you thought was, it wasn't. You didn't even see clearly. That's what sin does. It distorts our perception. It distorts our direction. And, And what James is saying is, listen, every good and perfect gift, there's no shadows with God. He'll make things clear. Now, sometimes there, there feels like you don't know everything you know, but he's given you enough to take the next step. He's given you enough to walk away from that sin. He's given you enough to get out of that pressure point. He will help you. Every good and perfect gift is from him. And then finally, hey, say, pray, obey to tap into God's help. I'm gonna describe this in a moment, but James 1.18, it says, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So this is what's really important. Oftentimes, what happens when we're in a temptation, when we have a struggle upon us, we try to process and analyze our way out of it. Oh, I wonder why that's happening. That's interesting. I wonder what I should do. Should I do that? Should I not do that? And just with an internal struggle, we have no understanding. So what James is saying is, listen, you're brought forth by the word of truth. When you decide to follow Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. And with that, you're connected to the living word of God. And at the Relevate Conference uh, last week, we had a great crew that, that went there. And this was shared about how you deal with negative emotions. And, and actually, this has been a part of our kids' own curriculum here at Ridgeview. But these words, hey, say, pray, and obey. This is how we tap into this word of truth. The hey is this, I think I'm tempted here. I think there's something going on. I'm gonna admit, hey, there's a problem. I'm not gonna just try to analyze it. I'm gonna bring God in. God, I want that. And I'm gonna tell you about it. God, I feel this. And I'm gonna tell you about it. God, I wanna do that thing. And I'm gonna tell you about it. It's like the hey, hey, there's a problem. Okay, that's but tied back to James. That desire is there. Be careful, that's when you get to give the hey. Hey, God, there's something going on. You bring him in early. Now, say is the word of God, the truth. Hey, I have a problem, but your word says, this is actually what Jesus did when he was tempted. You know that story? He's fasted 40 days, 40 nights. The enemy comes and tempts him. And he gives all these promises. You'll you'll be able to have this. You'll be able to have that. Just appealing to those desires that we have. And what did Jesus do when he was tempted? He said, this is what God says. And that's what we have to do. That's why it says the word of truth. This is who we are. We need the truth. And 1 John 3, 9, it's not up on the the screen, but it says, "No no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. First, 
John 3, 9. So the idea is God is in us and he helps us and he does that through his word. You, you pray, you ask God to help in this situation. God, I want this, but your word says this is wrong. Will you, will you help me? You pray and you ask God for help. Did you know most of the time, I'm gonna be real again, most of the time of temptation, I think followers of Christ, we don't wanna bring God in before because we really want it, but we'll bring God in after, after we've sinned. You experience, you know what I'm saying? Like, will you forgive me instead of will you help me? What James is saying is you need to flip that. It's will you help me so I can stand? Because oftentimes when we sin, it's not a quick just, will you forgive me, God? Now, God's forgiveness never ends, but there's shame with sin. There's messiness with sin. There's consequences to sin. It's a bog of sin. So it's not just a forgiveness issue, which God's forgiveness, again, it's full and complete. But we're messed up for a little bit. You notice that? Even when you sin, do you ever think, like, sometimes, like, man, I can't go back to God because I've done this before, and, and you, you kind of make yourself pay a little bit. We play games with ourselves. James is saying is like that, that actually doesn't lead to this like blessed life. You waste time. You detour. God is good and he, and he helps us. But the idea is it's so far better to say, God, help me than God, forgive me. Because there's victory. And on that victory, you build this foundation of God is living and helping me in this moment. And we still will blow it. And we still need his forgiveness. But what James is saying is, listen, you have the word of truth. First John 3, you don't have to keep on sinning. Like as a pattern, we'll mess up, but, but you don't have to keep giving in again and again and again and again. There's victory. Obey, God, I wanna do what the, the scripture says. So, so for me, I'm just gonna share just how this looks practically in, in my, my own life. Um, I think what I, I have a lot of temptations. I will not get to is dread. You know, or, or, or just, discouragement. And I'm, I try to be a pretty upbeat person. But the further I've gotten into ministry, the more that this struggle has been real. And I think that just comes with the territory. Because, you know, if, if I'm discouraged, if I'm dreading, and I'm trying to lead a church, oftentimes, like, the courage is, is gone. Like, discouragement without courage. And if I'm not courageous, then I can hold back. I could sin, I could lead us astray and my family and, and all sorts of things. And so uh, usually some of my worst days of dread are after the best days in my family or in church. It's so counterintuitive. This is where I know it's like sometimes it's even a battle of the enemy. Like sometimes after a baptism, the next day, it's a big struggle for me. Really weird, huh? Now you don't have to like text me every baptism like, pastor, are you okay? You know, but it just, it just happens at, at different times. A uh, great day, everything's good, but I, I can feel down. Um, things just feel like they're, it's not helping, it's not working, very discouraged. And oftentimes what I've struggled with is like just the, oh, that's weird, why do I feel like this? Everything's going well. We just had a great day at church and I, I, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm internalizing and I'm processing myself. So the hey for me is like, hey, I need God's help right now. I don't need to process where this is coming from. I need his help. And so oftentimes it's like, God, I feel down. 
Will you help me today? That's the hey. I feel down. You admit it. It's going on. It's happening. God, I feel down. Will you help me? Then say, for me, it's 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When you're down, you need to know the Lord Jesus cares for you. And that helps. And it's a battle. My, my discouragement on you. I don't have to stay here. So God, I give you my anxious thoughts. I give you my dread. Will you carry this load right now from me? Will you help me? You're good. You care. I trust in you. Thank you for your word, which helps me. So that's usually this process. It's like, man, I feel down. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God, I want to do this right now. And then, then they obey. So now, if you feel down and you're discouraged, the worst thing you can do is stay in bed all day. You need to take care of responsibilities. I need to take care of my responsibilities. So it's a Monday. I have to work. I have to get out of bed. And I have to handle what God has given me with endurance. And that's to obey. I have to engage in it with an upbeat endurance. So I want to encourage you, just, just kind of put that in your mind. Hey, say, pray, and obey. Just get that in your mind. God, God will help you. And it may just start with, God, will you help me just to recognize that the, the, the temptation is there and bring him in? Ask him for help. And he will. Admit there's something going on. You don't have to hide from him. Come into the light. He's there. Back to the temptation. There's no evil or sin in him, right? So when you're sinning and you're, you know, there's just this drift that we get. So, but come into the light. The God, full of his gifts, will help you. That's the promise from James. I want to invite the band up as I just wrap up with a few next steps. Uh, the first is, hey, say, pray, obey in a tempting situation this week. Now, it may just be you, you just, you have the hey part down. You're bringing God in. But what you want to begin to do, and this is why we, we look at scriptures every week, what you need to begin to do in your life, as you hear a scripture on a Sunday in your small group, if you're in a C group, when you're reading the scriptures on your own in your own quiet time with the Lord Jesus, Begin to note verses that really help you and speak to you. That becomes the pray and the say, like that you need to say the truth. And so you want to mark those. You want to kind of memorize those. You want to get those on your heart. So, hey, say, pray, obey in a tempting situation. And then the second is we're talking about this fight in the word of God and truth. But you can only fight if you've decided to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life, like where you've given him control, you've surrendered. And so if you've never decided to follow Jesus, like where you give him your whole life and you've not yet become a Christian, uh, you can decide to do that today. Uh, we'll be by the next step table. And if you're just like, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I'm not sure if I've done that. I don't, I don't know what that means. Like talk to us as a staff and we'll, we'll help clarify. That's where the power comes is once you decide to follow Jesus, then you get the help. God li lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And then last but not least, uh, read James 2 and come back next week. Get, get into the God's word for yourself. We've, we've gone about halfway through one. If you haven't finished one yet, you could read the rest of chapter one. If you have, read chapter two. And come back next week and we're, we're gonna talk more about it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And God, we, we stand on the promise that you do help us and you are good. You, 
draw near to us. You, you provide a way out. You have given us your word so that we can combat the lies that we believe, the lies that are thrown at us. And I just pray right now, if there's anyone just trapped in a sin and just feeling defeated, God, that you will help them right now in their time of need. God, as a church, will you help us to just pull you in to the struggle, to identify that it's going on. So God, help us to see. Just give us eyes to see uh, the sin, the, the battle that, that, that's going on. God, we do thank you for your forgiveness when we mess up and the mercy that we find in you. We cannot earn your favor. We cannot clean ourselves clean. So we thank you. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.